Welcome to Archie and Me, an Archie Comics podcast. I'm Josh, and today for the interim solo, but don't worry, Brandon will be back for the interview portion of this podcast. Today we are so excited to talk to the writers of Toy Box of Terror, and this is part of the Fear the Funhouse Archie brand, which has been providing some really fun YA horror books. The creative team for this book is Timmy Heeg, Daniel Page, Michael Northrop. On art, Ryan Kasky, Tango, and Ryan Jampoli. Colors by Matt Herms. And letters by good old, reliable Jack Morelli. We had such a fun time talking to Timmy, Daniel, and Michael about Toy Box of Terror, so let's jump into the interview. We, we wanted to start the podcast the way we start all of our interviews, which is to just learn a little bit about what your first entry was into the world of Archie, whether it was the first Archie comic you read or the first show like Sabrina the Teenage Witch or whatever. Um, so let's just go through the line here. Let's start with um, you, Timmy. What was your entry into the world of Archie? Uh, one of the greatest comic books of all time, Archie versus Punisher. Like, it's not just one of the greatest crossovers of all time, but it's one of the greatest comics of all time. Um, I, uh, that was my first comic of Archie. I, uh, I was told about it by the guys working by the comic shop, uh, that I eventually worked at years later and I thought they were messing with me. Like there's no way that existed. And sure <laughs> enough, it did. And I was very pleasantly surprised. And, uh, you know, before that, like I read a couple digests here and there, and I weirdly enough, uh, had my first ever introduction to knowing what Archie and the gang was, was, uh, the 90s cartoon weird mysteries archie's weird yeah, mysteries yeah, yeah. uh channel disney had it like playing at like two in the morning and i was like sick from school with a weird on and off sleep schedule and wow what's this who's this kid that loves hamburgers as much as i do <laughs> you know? and uh yeah it just from from there it evolved into just getting my hands on anything and everything archie i was always into the weird stuff like after archie punisher naturally i tried to like track down all the other weird crossovers that had existed at the time and uh of course once the horror line launched that was just love at first read you have to jump in and say we yeah i watched the first episode of um the weird mysteries kind of recently and it's a very meta episode about yes. like had being a couch potato and like <laughs> yes. watching too much tv that's their that's their first one yeah yeah it's, um, <laughs> very strange yeah I just did a rewatch. Um, I went like I went super hard in terms of just like going all in of just rereading everything, reading new stuff, watching everything like in the process for this book. And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun watching that show 20 plus years later. What about you, Danielle? What was your first entry into Archie? Um, I ha- I don't remember when I bought my first Archie comics. I just know that I had like 100 or 200 digests in my closet. Like I love them so much it was my first comic book and my first comic love so i think i i must have read them until i was a teenager and then i watched the tv show the sabrina teenage witch show Mm. and as a grown-up i started reading the comics again and i love riverdale the tv show i i just think and i love sabrina the chilling adventures like i think they've done such a great job at like refreshing the brand and um I'm just, I'm a super fan, so I can't believe I got to 
do this. And what about you, Michael? Well, I got my start um, <laughs> like at a um, uh, retirement home, like assisted living community, because like my aunt worked there and um, she'd like take me sometimes and they had uh, some Archie Digests in like a bucket of things for like visiting kids or whatever to do. And um, so I, I picked those up and um, and I loved them. I, I'm a dyslexic, so I I really struggled as a as a reader uh, growing up. And um, just the, the comics made like immediate sense to me. Um, like I could pick these up and, you know, it's visual storytelling. And so I could read them pretty fast, not only like pretty fast, but also without it being like arduous for me you know like because you know reading was still a lot of work and um and that was a real you know sort of aha moment for me like I really like I enjoy these and so that was yeah my first comic books just like randomly um out of a bucket at a an old folks home um and um that's and then I started reading um like Marvel uh, comics really like in terms of reading it was it was all the marvel and then dc was like super friends and superman movies so, like dc was on screen and because i thought like I, this this moment where like i started reading comics because of archie then i thought it was too cool for archie and then i have come over the years to realize that a archie is like incredibly timelessly cool and also i am much less cool than i thought so like Archie's cool. That's cool. So now I'm in the perfect spot where Archie is just like perfect for me again. Like that's where I started. And it's really something I, I really love now. Well, uh, so during the, the day I'm an educator, I, I'm a music teacher, but uh, it's something I'm so interested is in reading. And I often have like try to have book clubs with kids for lunch. And a lot of times they want to read a graphic novel or something. And it's so interesting to me. It's still a discussion point that, um, like if that's where kids are excited about reading, I'm yeah. like, why aren't we giving them more stuff to read? Yeah, because yeah. some teachers try to push them away from reading things with pictures, and I'm just kind of like, I don't understand. It feels kind of outdated to me at this point. Mm. You know, extreme. Yeah, I mean that yeah. was my experience. You know, I um I repeated second grade in special ed, um, and that was like I didn't enjoy second grade the first time, right? And then I had to do it again. But like, <laughs> but like the approach there was like, you know, for dyslexia was like. I call it like the read damn you approach where it's like, oh, you don't like to read. We're just going to make you read the same things over and over again until oh. it works, you know? And, and it, instead of like, yeah, something that I was like enjoying, like the Archie Digest, it's like, no, it's like, we're going to make you read up to what we think you should be reading and just do it over and over again. in like that, like square peg round hole way until it works. And sure, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just uh, like such, I, uh, I just want to say, I think it's the coolest thing that my first comic book, I share it with a writer who also got held back in the second grade. That's sick. Heck yeah. Loves that. That's uh, that, that's some cool universe type stuff right there. That's amazing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, uh, but yeah, I feel like like if there was just ever a shirt that just said, Archie taught me how to read, I feel like there'd just be so many people like who just see that shirt and point at you and go, me too, brother. Me too, sister. Like, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I just feel like that's like just such a thing that Archie and Riverdale and, you know, just taught people how to read. And like, I, I think that's something Archie comics should get more credit for. Because for me, like for me, comics need to be everywhere as much as possible. And I think it's a magical thing that Archie 
has just found a home like at the grocery store aisle like that for people associate archie digests and like you know a kid's gonna see that in line with their parents and that's a way they could fall in love to read and i just think that's just the best thing ever yeah i would agree with that and i feel like that but yeah and that the content doesn't feel it feels grown up while you're even though the reading level was lower so that way you you never feel like you're being talked down to and and i just mm. remember reading archie and thinking like they have this like love triangle and you don't get to read about love triangles when you're 10 but <laughs> yeah. you do in yeah. archie so um so i think it's it's very ahead of its time in a lot of ways that's um uh, and again like I, I just feel like the word timeless is just synonymous with like archie because you've like really hit something like there danielle that's like super important with me with like comics and kids it's like when I, I speak a lot at schools and do like a lot of read-alongs and after like the read-along, you know, we'll talk comics and superheroes. And whenever I ask kids who their favorite character superhero is, they say like the Dave Pilkey stuff, Dogman, Captain Underpants. And then when I ask them about like, well, what about Spider-Man, Batman? They're like, nah, Dave Pilkey, Dave Pilkey. I'm like, Aww. okay, okay. And then like I go more into detail with it and I get out of them that like, the kids' comics of Spider-Man and Batman that they read, they got, like, the giant heads, little bodies, and they feel like yeah. they're being, like, you know, they, they feel like, you know, they like, they know their kids' comics, you know? And with the Dave Pilkey stuff, they don't, like, feel like their kids' comics. And, like, I feel with Archie, there isn't that. Like, you don't, you read it, and it's for everybody of all ages, and especially the Digest stuff, and, like, you don't know. It's, it's you know, like, they don't see that it's, it's written all ages like it's just it's for everybody and which by the way shout out to the kids comics that michael's done for dc recently in the last couple of years because i always think that about kids comics nowadays like is this being written like will a kid realize it's for kids and man you guys got to read michael's kids stuff oh, thanks the man. laughs that come out <laughs> of me when i read those books like i was reading the latest installment like two in the morning like a madman because who doesn't get their best reading done at two in the morning i'm pretty sure i woke up my neighbors <laughs> cackling so many good puns. Uh, man. Uh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. I'm gonna pile on and say, "Dear, dear right. Justice League is so great because you're just yes. it's such it's an idea." But it was like, why hasn't someone done this idea? And I think those are the best ideas. And when I heard about it, it was like, I wish I'd come up with that idea. It's so good. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, dear Justice League, and then dear dear supervillains like Gustavo Duarte is the artist, uh, and I, and we just have this really strong conviction right from the start that like this like. They call them all ages comics and, you know, we're going to take that yeah. literally. Like, is that a kid? You know, like yeah, they yeah. use all ages to mean kids, but that like literally it means all ages. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is a comic for all ages. Like one of the the first things I read after Archie was um, the uh, early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because that was yes. like came out of a garage in the next town over. I'm from Salisbury, Connecticut, and they were doing that in oh, Sharon, cool. Connecticut. Um, and there was a lot of cool stuff coming out of these small towns in the northwestern corner of Connecticut, but that was there. And it was like amazing. Like if you read those early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles things, like kids could read that and be super into that. But like, yeah. you know, that was like for everyone that was in and that is really like in the DNA. Like it's just like that's how comics were for so long. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like this is a kid's comic. This is this like this is just yeah. a comic. Right. And then it's some. Yeah. I feel like that's something like I'm pretty proud of with Toy Box of Terror. And I, I hope you guys are too, because you all should be is like, 
it's pretty cool that like we've with Archie's Fear the Funhouse line, it's tapped into like the Goosebumps R.L. Stein vibe or like it's horror For and sure, it's spooky yeah. and like, oh my God, but like it's still, you know, good for kids. But like the way Fear the Funhouse like imprint has been done in the first book and now with our book, Boy Box of Terror, like anyone can dig it. Like a kid can read it and it's good kids horror, but like, you know, someone who's obviously not a kid can read it and it's still great horror because it's it's just it's written in a way where like it hits all age brackets in a way that's super suitable and it feels just like good horror and you a kid can read it and just they feel like it's it's not being read for a kid and an adult can read it and it's you know not it's it's just it's great. I, I'm a big fan of of the toy box of terror, uh or excuse me, Fear the Fun House imprint and what it crafted for horror as kids and i'm really honored to be a part of this installment here yeah timmy i was we were gonna you know i want to jump in and talk a little bit more about toy box of terror because uh kind of going along with your saying a little bit we you know we have the character of evelyn ever never yes and you get if you know the history of the character which i had you know i had to look up you're getting it in the story yeah and it's not it's not sitting there telling you uh, exposition-wise, this is the history of it. You know, we're not getting that. Thank you're you. You're just yeah. along for the ride with the yeah. story. And I really appreciate that because, again, like you're saying, like, I feel like no matter who's reading it, you can, um, you know, you'll you'll enjoy the story. And if you know that extra stuff, then it's, you know, just an added layer. Yeah, um, I um. I've really, as much as you can fall in love with a creepy doll girl, I've really just fallen, <laughs> like, I just, it's just so much fun writing, like, Oh hey Archie Horror, we're gonna have a, a an evil doll comic. Great. Oh well, what about the character who was always known for carrying a doll? Like it just it's perfect, and it was just meant to be, you know, for sixty something years. And yeah, I um writing this uh, creepy doll take on Evelyn has just been a blast. I um I never thought I'd be able to give an Archie Comics character their first horror take, and it's just uh. Again, like I said, I'm going to wear it like a badge of honor. The What I love about your story is I feel like it starts with a sense of like foreboding, like with the art, the opening. And then I love that's the frame story. Uh, Ryan yeah. Kasky, just like, oh, my gosh. Um, like, not just am I super lucky to like have my first like writing comic book writing debut with the likes of Michael and Danielle here. But like Ryan Kasky, a.k.a. the Spooky King, that's the guy who I get to draw my first comic with. Like, okay, okay, and oh my gosh, does he deserve that title? Um, he really brought Evelyn to life and everything else creepy and scary in that 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 comic. All the artists on the book are just incredible. And Danielle, we loved your story, uh, Cheryl, which is in the issue, um, particularly the bathroom scene or the <laughs> sorry, the bedroom scene. Uh, so creepy, <laughs> so well done. Um, but this is your first Archie comic story. Obviously, it's not your first comic story in general. Um, but we are just wondering, you know, being such a prolific author with prose, how does writing for comics differ from writing your novels? Um, I My background's really uh, kind of a big winding road. I started my first, um, my first job was in soap operas. I wrote for Guiding Light and Days of Our Lives. So dialogue is kind of my first language. And so for me, whenever I get to write a script of any kind, it's like going home. So I really love writing that way. So and then just having an artist who can bring it to life, it just makes it so special. This is Tango, right? Is the artist on your, your story? Yeah, Tango is and it's just so like fun and funny and manages to capture like 
everything in a panel because the story is so short. I don't know how he does it. This. <laughs> And it's not, technically, it's not my first Archie comic. I wa- got to write Super Teen and it never came out. So this is my second, mm. but my first that's coming out and I'm very excited. <laughs> that's awesome. And then you have a story in the Sabrina Winter Special. Is that correct? I got to write for uh, The Aunt. I've been wanting to do this for years and I've been begging <laughs> Jamie to let me write something. So I'm, I'm getting to write like a little flashbacky like story in the past of them as teenagers. And I really hope I get to write them again at some point. They are just so much fun, like you getting to write the people that create basically raised Sabrina and giving them their own little arc has been really great. That's awesome. We, oh, we can't wait to, can't wait to read it. Big, uh, big Sabrina fans, obviously we love holiday specials in general. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you October into December for Archie's is like a great time of year. I love all the, uh, <laughs> the, you know, seasonal specials. Uh, Michael, we want to talk about your story, The Gift That Keeps on Killing. Uh, it's your second Fear the Funhouse yes. story. Uh, last time you got to play with the classic urban legend of the hook hand. And now in Toy Box of Terror, you get to play with like the scary toy trope. And I was kind of wondering what it's like to put your own spin on these established horror tropes. Well, it's fun. so the first thing I did for Archie was actually um, Holiday Magic. Um, and so that was like a take on like the Hallmark movies where it's like, a dull Archie like comes back to um, Riverdale sort of tail between the legs. Things didn't work out in the big city and he runs into his old flames. You know what I mean? Like, and um, so that was like, again, like a really well-established story, like the Hallmark, you know, moving back to the old hometown and, you know, rekindling something like, I can't believe I missed that one. Yeah. Holiday magic. Well, it sold out immediately because it was like, it was such a, like a perfect, mix you know like archie and you know holiday you know people love archie archie horror yes but like also archie christmas stuff like is like is but so that was the first one so all three of mine have been um you know sort of like remixes of of pretty you know familiar um sort of ideas um that you know the sort of hallmark christmas movie and then yeah, an urban legend, which I, I called suburban legend. So then it was just, you just put it in nice. in Riverdale. And I mean, it, it seems so, so, and then, you know, here is like, yeah, the, I mean, the toy box of terror, the creepy doll, the, um, is it's so perfect because it's like, Archie is so classically, classically like American in the same way that like the Hallmark Christmas movies and all of that stuff. It, it, it's so like iconic and to get to like mix different like iconographies that way is like at once it's like so familiar for people like they they know both ingredients you know what i mean but then it's it's just a completely new thing you know what i mean and the, it is it, it's really a blast for me and the other thing I've, I've really gotten into doing is using really um deep cut characters um because and yeah i see like timmy's nodding his head right because it's so it's like this, Chef's, chef's kiss. There's so mm. many mm. amazing <laughs> characters. Yeah, I mean, obviously the core characters are so iconic, and and like, and the you know the holiday magic one was just a, a love it, the classic love triangle. But like, but there's so many deep cut characters who it's such a long history, and it's so fun to like talk about a toy box, right? Just like take them out again for the first time in a while and get to 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 use them to to share that that backstory. It's it's just a a really a, always a blast 
thanks to uh, Michael, I can say that my first uh, comic book writing debut actually features Doctor Doom. Um, and then they go, what? <laughs> I mean, Mad Doctor Doom. Yeah, Mad Doctor Doom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which uh, I really appreciate uh, because little Evelyn found her debut in Little Archie. And so oh, Mad Doctor yeah. Doom's uh, a Little Archie type character, too. Um, I don't know if he first appeared in Little Archie, but he's he's definitely known to be in Little Archie. So I, I love how like it's it, this book's kind of a pseudo Little Archie horror take in a way. Well, I was going to say, like when we were reading it, we we're like, wow, OK, so we've got we've got Evelyn here and uh We've got, you know, a Chester and Mad Doctor Doom. Like, was it was it sort of were all of these like little Archie characters to appear in this issue? Was that planned at all? Or is it just kind of a happy accident that it's kind of a little bit of a little Archie reunion? It just completely happened. And I'm super thankful for it because like I was never expecting me at 31 years old, or excuse me, 30 when I when all this started, to like do a deep dive into little Archie. Like now I have like a short box of little Archie and like Ooh. They are just amazing. Like, they are just fun little reads of just the most obscure. Like, I keep thinking about a story I read where there were they were on the beach and Mark Twain just shows up, but he doesn't say he's Mark Twain or the ghost of Mark Twain. And, like, they have, like, a little Tom Sawyer-esque adventure. And then when he disappears at the end, they're like, where'd that old man go? He was so nice. <laughs> and then they just point to the graveyard that's conveniently on the beach in Riverdale. You know, just a nice oh little beach God. graveyard. <laughs> and it was just just so awesome. That's just with me. of like it Life's a beach and so is death. Yes. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, I, I just really have become just a little Archie fan. Like just so... Every issue I pick up that's been through the years has just delighted me. And to like, I, I loved it that like, I wanted all of these store, like I wanted the character of Evelyn to feel authentic to her roots, but still be this new horror take. And there's a page in the book that is a tribute to little Archie and just Hmm. not just did Ryan bring that to life way better than I could have ever imagined. But, like, the art direction that Archie, like, added on top of it, like, the little bells and whistles making it complete and all together is just the coolest thing. And I cannot wait for people to see that page. Like, I there's, I have two pages I'm most proud of in that book. That's definitely one of them. Well, I was going to say, um, and we could, I want to see, kind of see if you all have something to add to this, but we can start with Danielle. I was thinking about... My grandma used to have this little monkey on her shelf that had the symbols that crashed and, uh, you know, freaked me out as a kid. And we're just wondering, you know, what is it about toys that generates so many horror stories? You know, Danielle, do you have anything to add um, to that? I would say I think it's I mean, I think it's kind of two things. I think that we're I, it, one. There's like we're in this moment of like, let's bring back all the dolls. There's a Barbie movie this year, the Megan doll, which is what my story is based on. I think there's something about just about childhood, like they're kind of like looking back at the dolls and 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 there's just something about what if they're we I think we kind of get deep in our own imagination. Like what if there's something there more than what we see? There's like I, I think it's something like that. And there's an element of like it's supposed to be safe, right? Like so it's like like it's like mm-hmm. that movie, like it's like the babysitter, right? Like it's it's coming from inside the house. Like the call is coming from inside the house. Like it's supposed to be like tucked in safely, 
with like the, the, the kids asleep and the babysitter downstairs. And then like these threatening calls are, but they, they trace them and they find out the calls are coming from inside the house. And that is like, it's the same thing with like a scary toy. Like it's let in, it's inside the kid's room. It's like supposed to be this safe, protected space, but it's already inside. Like the danger is already there and you can't be protected from the outside. And like, I think there's an element there. I also want to, by the way, just like shout out my artist. So I'm not the the one jerk who didn't shout out their artist. It's like the the other the other Ryan Ryan Jampol who's like done a, a ton of like oh, Archie stuff. Dual Ryan's, yeah. yeah, on this book. It's like yeah. the, the Ryan's. Like Hollywood has yeah. the Daniels, and we have the Ryan's yeah. here. Um, but he's like so good. And that thing is like these three artists are all so good, but they're really distinct. And so like it's really fun to have like the different stories and the different. Yeah looks but all just like just top top quality it's like really really cool and working him with, with him was just was just super seamless yeah and people should check out other ryan jim Archie stuff because yeah. it's just so good whenever i see when i see ryan on the book i'm like i gotta uh i gotta <laughs> check it out this is so good because ryan jim had a story in the first fear of the fun house too um if i'm not mistaken but yeah with toys you know evil toys and the horror just genre I kind of feel like it's almost like a play on like that classic action movie, horror movie line that's always thrown around. I mean, I'm sure Craven the Hunter has in Spider-Man comics has said it way too many times, you know, when the when the hunter becomes the hunted, when the prey becomes the prey. I mean, well, it's like what happens when the toys want to play with you? You know, and it's <laughs> it's just kind of a spooky thing. Like, oh no, you know, we're we're the ones who play with these toys, you know. No, they're not playing with me. <laughs> I love that because I think that we project so when you're little you project so many oh, like yeah. hopes and dreams and and stories onto your dolls and then what if they wake up is just kind of and mm. what if they're not what you imagined so I got a question actually for Michael and Danielle really quick um for you guys being such established writers and had so many great projects when it comes back to dolls like do you ever remember I mean this is such like a <laughs> feel free to go Timmy you're crazy for this question but like do you guys ever remember playing with dolls or toys as a kid and like setting up imaginary stories with them and then now like years later you turn one of those imaginary stories that never left you into like something in writing so um I'm gonna say but my uh my dad's a teacher and my mom was uh, a housewife and she they felt like they were I don't think they were 100% sure about Barbie and what she represented at the time and so when I got my first Barbie my mom suggested I write scripts for the doll. So I'd write stories oh, for wow. my dolls. So I don't have them. I wish I had them. I don't know if any of the stories became my stories. But that's when I first started playing with dolls, with, with that type of doll. My sister and I would, would we'd write our stories and then we'd act them out. So it was very like formal play in a way. But I think it did help me become a writer. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We had a typewriter like sitting around our house. And I remember like rewriting uh i think i like rewrote three little pigs like did i change anything no i think i just wrote it out and said we need to act it out I <laughs> love that. that's great it's adorable yeah. and i didn't have um dolls and there's a line in, in my story actually it's like actually i'm an action figure right so i had like the solid the, the star wars action figures like the i even had i had the land speeder um and um yeah like the yeah just the classic little um and then also some like, is it Migo? Is that right? Like the, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, yeah. I had a Thor 
you know what I mean? Which I loved, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. looked ridiculous, but like, but like in that classic way, like, so it was like those little, like, like, and like four inch, like Star Wars action figures, you know, they come with the card back and, um, and, uh, some, yeah, some superhero, but they were all, we were in my brother and I, old, my brother's two years older. We were very insistent all the time that these were not dolls. These were action figures. Um, and that worked for us, you know, cause we're doing the same thing. We're like crashing them into each other and like, training, <laughs> like all the things you do with, with dolls, but it's just like, but we just told ourselves they were action figures. So, yeah. What they were was like collectibles, but yeah. But then we like destroyed them. When I was 13, I did my first San Diego Comic-Con and I definitely bought way more Buffy the Vampire Slayer action figures. A 13-year-old <laughs> should have like 10 years after the show was no longer on the air. And there was, my mother sneaked a photo of me like organizing them and opening them up and Aww. like after we got home. And we'll see, that sounds very sweet. But then somehow my like we're talking now an additional like 10 plus years later as like me now as a store owner, like that photo somehow worked its way to my buddy's like computer. And next thing I know, <laughs> he posted a meme on Facebook where it's like me looking like a deer in headlights playing with my Buffy the Vampire Slayer figures. And he he memefied <laughs> it with, don't bother me, mother. I'm playing with my dolls. I mean, my action figure collectibles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever that comes up on Facebook memories, I always reshare. It always gives me a good laugh. It's amazing. <laughs> Speaking of Buffy, there is a good uh, there's a good episode where they play with the trope of a ventriloquist doll. Oh, oh yeah, that I think it plays with the audience's expectations of what you expect. Um, uh, I always like uh, the the kind of twist in that that episode. Yeah, I, I actually um, signed the contract with Archie that uh, Toy Bucks and Terror couldn't happen unless I get first dibs on a Buffy Archie crossover one day. And they just got their head <laughs> and said, "Sure, Timmy, whatever, sure, whatever you say." So I think we're pretty good. I think it'll happen. You know. You might have to fight with Amy Chase about that one. You might have to fight it out with Amy Chase. <laughs> so, Danielle, I, I cannot allow myself to get too far into this interview without mentioning that my wife is a huge fan of Dorothy Must Die, the Aww. books. Uh, she, she loves them to death. And I remember like looking at like the solicit for this issue and be like, wait, is it, is it, is it that Danielle page? Like, is it the same? <laughs> and so when I found out that, I was, that it was the same, I like ran to my wife and I was like, you will never believe who I get to interview. And so she was very, very, very excited. Uh, so I, I told, I promised her that I would let you know how much she loves your work. And, um, I know that next year is, I think the 10th anniversary wow. of the Dorothy must die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Such good books. Uh, and then next month, we have a new novel that you're doing called, I think it was Wish of the Wicked. Yeah, it's a fairy godmother origin story. Um, and it's it's really fun. It's like, what if all the witches of the, or what if all the bad girls of the fairy tale world, like the evil queen, are part of the same coven and they were once mm. persecuted by people. And they that's why they became evil. And then the fairy godmother actually was part of the same sect as well. And she's got to decide whether or not she's going to go for revenge or be good, which, you know, she's a fairy godmother, so she'll be good. <laughs> but it's a long <laughs> road. But it's really, it's really fun. So I have that coming out. 
Um, and I really hope I can do, speak going, circling back to Dorothy for a second, I want to do something for the 10th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I wish I could find someone who would do a comic or something. I mean, I would write it, but, but I would love to do something. And we're still waiting to see if it'll ever become TV or film. But you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I know that obviously with, with uh, this, this, this new book and then with uh, Dorothy Must Die, you're, you know, you, you've, you have a history of playing in these established worlds, whether it's Oz or um, the, the, you know, the world of Cinderella uh, and now with Riverdale. Um, what sort of has drawn you to these established sandboxes as a writer that you get to play in? I think when I was little, I would read fairy tales and I would I wanted to know about the characters that weren't like that weren't the focus. Like I when I read Wizard of Oz and I watched Wizard of Oz, it's like what is up with a witch, you know? <laughs> and I wanted to, I think I always wanted to know about, and when I saw Fairy Godmother, I wanted to know, like, why is why is she there? What is she doing? Like, I, so it's a, just a chance to kind of fulfill, in a way, my own curiosity of, like, these are stories that aren't told. These are characters who matter to our zeitgeist, but but we don't know about them. And I, I, I just, I think there's so much fun in doing that. And also, I think having written for Soaps, I wrote, work with this group, this, like, the sandbox that was not my own, and I got to play with it and it was really like fun and 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 easy and like part of just being part of something bigger, which I, I like. And I like doing my own stories, too. But I did like a sorority witch book uh, a couple of years ago with my friend Cass Morgan. And but but I think there's something I think I keep coming back to these stories because they're just like they're part of us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, but I want to, before we like move on at all, I just want to thank your wife. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let her know. No, yeah, huge fan. Loves them. <laughs> As we head toward the end of this interview, Michael, I did want to take a second to ask you about, uh, we have young Alfred, uh, Payne and the Butler coming out. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Did you notice I was nod- nodding my head vigorously when Danielle was talking? It's, I mean, it, it really is the same thing. Like, I mean, but like young Alfred is like, um, Alfred is so familiar to people like, you know what I mean? Like people who know Batman know Alfred, but that they don't know that much more. You know what I mean? It's ba- Batman's father. He's just been in the background of so many shots in so many different, uh, mediums. You know what I mean? Like in the comics, in movies, and it's like, he's there has a, a, a line or two and then he disappears. And it's just one of those, those things where, um, you know, just as a lifelong reader, I always wanted to know more about him, more about that story. Um, and it's interesting because there's, you know, there's been like, like Pennyworth came out recently and stuff like that, but like, there's really very little there, you know, you know, there's, mm. there's stuff on so much stuff on even really minor villains and stuff in, in, um, um, but Alfred, there's really, it's one of these people you you feel like you know, but then you scratch beneath the surface and you really don't know that much about him. And it was really amazing to get a chance to write a fall um, book, you know, to to um, to just t- sort of tell his story, give him a little time in in the in the spotlight. Um, and it's one of those things I always I liked. You know, I'm like a Downton Abbey fan. Like, oh, is that like is that whole like sort of like school of literature where it's like um, uh, Gosford Park or Upstairs Downstairs or, you know, The Remains of the Day, like that, like Butler lit stuff like that. And it's very often um, 
like someone for in their golden years looking back on their youth, you know what I mean? Like on some sun dappled sort of like brides had revisited kind kind of time of their youth or whatever. And so I I I I knew I wanted that kind of framing where he had like the adult um Alfred people are familiar with, you know, silver haired and all of that. Like and um him when he was young, when he was getting started. Um I knew I needed that phrasing. And then the seemingly knew I needed that phrasing because they're like, oh, you want to do an entire book on Alfred? It's like, so you're going to have to have Batman in there. You're going to have to have some names in there because, you know, we would we would like some readers at some point. And so um, the only way to do that, really, you know, obviously, you know, when Alfred is, is a child, you know, um, that's well before um, not just Batman, but Bruce Wayne. And so... Um, so we, we needed the, the modern day framing for that as well. So we could have, you know, Batman have Joker and Harley in there causing trouble and then cut back and forth, um, between the timeframes. So like, that was just something I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, give a really beloved character a little bit of time in, in front of the frame instead of in, in the background. Um, and also, you know, it was, Yeah to do that framing that like now and, and then sort of framing. I love, I love in the last five minutes, I heard the words fantasy football and <laughs> Downton Abbey out of Michael's mouth. And I just want to say, I'm, I'm a, a complicated individual. To me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Like We've learned. It. On the when does it come out? Oh, it's all it's, it is. Thank you, Danielle. It is already out and available wherever Books or comics are sold. <laughs> well, then I will yeah. buy a copy. I want one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Timmy, you want to tell us a little bit about this West Coast signing tour you got going on? Yeah, the Toy Box of Terror West Coast tour. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I um, I, I own uh, comic book stores, uh, Arsenal Comics and Games, and um, since day one like signings with creators have been a huge thing for me um i opened up uh with five six creators on opening night for my first little store it was a big hoo and then two weeks later had a store signing and i've tried my hardest always at my shops to always have a signing event going on you know it's i'm a big believer that it's you know it's great for success of a book uh, for that store it creates readership for it um, it brings foot traffic into a shop, which is just always, of course, important. And it's just overall a great fun time. Like someone getting to meet, you know, either their favorite creator or someone who's now going to be their favorite creator. And they have this like relationship with now, like wherever they see their name on a book, like, oh, I met them. And, you know, I think it's a really special thing. And it's probably one of my favorite things about owning comic book stores is creator signings. And I, wanted to practice what I preach when I became a comic book creator. And I have been very fortunate through the years to create relationships with fellow retailers. Like mm. I, I love the organization comics pro it's like a trade union type org for comic shop retailers. And when I opened up my first little store, I didn't know about comics pro and I didn't have any comic book retailers to help guide me or mentor me because i opened up at age 22 like a crazy kid um and you know i 
I was very, I didn't realize it, but looking back, I, I, I do, but I was very desperate for mentorship. It just, I wanted, you know, I wanted to have just, you know, just that, that Jedi master comic book retailer. And thankfully in my life with Comics Pro, I met that and I've created friendships with other retailers across the world. And with that, I've become friends with a lot of them on the West Coast. And I am very thankful for their support on this book. Um, and the fact that, you know, so many shops are willing to host me and have a signing event. It's just a blast. I'm really excited for it. There's Los Angeles, Orange County, San Francisco, and San Luis Obispo. 13 Stops of Terror. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> We're so excited for everyone to check out uh, Toy Box of Terror. Uh, again, thank you, Danielle, Michael, and Timmy for being on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot. This is a lot of fun. A big thank you to Timmy Heeg, Daniel Page, and Michael Northrop for joining us on the podcast today. If you want to find out more about the work, you can find Danielle at danielpagebooks.com. You can also find her social media there. You can find out more about Michael at michaelnorthrop.net. You can find Timmy on most social media platforms at comicbosstimmy. And make sure you check out Arsenal Comics. They have so much fun stuff on their social media. And if you're nearby, you should go check them out or order stuff online. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you give us a review and rating and let people know about the show. You can find us on most social media platforms at Archie and Me Pod or Archie and Me Podcast. And just a big thank you for listening. Bye. I'm no Betty or Veronica, not even Jughead. Don't you call me a Reggie, I'd rather be caught dead. Just two friends who don't know who they want to be. Let's see them figure it out. Oh, Archie and Me.